If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 5 here in a moment, but again, just to keep us on track on what we're doing as we look through 1 Corinthians, this first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinth church is this idea of recalibration. Something that is always needed. We always need to spend time adjusting ourselves to keep us on track. And one of the greatest needs for recalibration within a church is the need to put things back into perspective. There are times when we need to be reminded who we are, what we are supposed to do, why we do these things, And what happens if we don't? I think for many churches, they've lost their vision or they've allowed their vision to shift to something else and has allowed corruption to come in because of that shift of focus, that shift of perspective. And it's not helpful to the kingdom. Some churches are so badly wanting to reach the people That they're willing to take extra measures in order to get people in the door. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because I believe we all should be putting in our efforts to reach people with the gospel, to reach people so that they'll come to know the Lord Jesus. But I think sometimes we get off the perspective, we get out of focus enough to where we don't keep the main thing the main thing. We end up going to the gimmicks and the antics and the, the stunts just to get attention. We, we make worship services extravagant with all the bells and whistles just to hopefully be attractive and catch people's attention. Sometimes pastors even will, in their sermons, try to come up with something that no one's ever said before. Come up with an illustration no one's ever done before. And sadly, might even find themselves being a little outside of the realm of biblical doctrine just to do it. Which is not okay. Sadly, churches all across this country have been willing to sacrifice biblical doctrine and theology just to seem more inclusive. Which is a... Uh, 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 the trigger word for the day for this time and they see, try to seem more inclusive to the world specifically to those who have refused to uh, submit to the authority of Jesus I know it's easy to sit here and point and say well that's them mega churches that's them churches up north with all their liberal politics I, I get it it's easy to point to everybody else and say, this is what that church or that denomination is doing wrong. And this is how they've gotten out of perspective. And they've gotten out of the calibration. But even so, we've seen examples in the small local rural churches, even in Mississippi, where churches have lost perspective of the goal. They've lost their purpose. They find themselves doing and saying anything they can And what ends up happening is it pushes them from their original purpose, how God designed them to be. Sure, if we wanted to, we could pull out all the antics and the gimmicks and the stunts, and we could do all kinds of different things and and hope people will come in because we are attracting them with all these gimmicks. But as I've heard before, and I'll say today, if you attract them by gimmicks, you have to keep them with gimmicks. 
Guess what you miss when you do that? You did not attract them with the message of the cross, which Paul's already told us is the central point. So if you did not attract them with the message of the cross, how can you keep them with the message of the cross? Think about what we do as a church. It's Madden Baptist Church. Think about the things that we do. We worship, we fellowship, uh, we preach and teach and we learn. Uh, specifically, we have things like Bible drills on Sunday nights. And even adults, we spend time in God's Word studying. And uh, we have Bible school in the summer. We do shoe boxes in, the, in, the, in, the, in November. We have ladies' luncheons every month. We have brotherhood breakfast every other month. We have all these different things. And we could name all these different stuff. And we could talk about all the things we want to do, like mission trips and mission projects. We could talk about all of these things that we do and want to do. But the question always should be is why do we do them? For what purpose and what goal are we aiming for to do these things? Do we do them because that's what a church does? Why do we have Sunday morning? Why do we have Sunday nights? Why do we have Wednesday nights? I think we all could give a biblical answer as to why. I think we all who've grown up in church long enough could give the Sunday school answer of why we do what we do. But the question should be, is it true? Is it true of me and of you as to why we do what we do? Is it for the biblical reasons or is it just because that's what we're supposed to do? Because that's what a good rural church, Southern Baptist church does. I believe today the Lord is trying to tell us that we need to put things back into perspective. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit today to guide us through today's text, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. And I pray that God will call us all to find ourselves back into perspective so that we are on track. So let's start in verse 5, and we're going to read to verse 17. Paul writes, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will, will, re, will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone, anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father God, we praise you for the time of worship we have been given. We praise you, uh, God, for your word and for the reading of it. And so I pray today, God, that as we read it and as we reread it again, as we take time to dissect it, God, may your Holy Spirit illuminate it within our lives, reveal to us the things that we need to correct, reveal to us the things that we need to do to get back into perspective of what is our purpose, what is our goal. God, we thank you for what you have done in this church and what you will continue to do as long as we are faithful. And so I pray that today would be a message of conviction and encouragement, God, that we all will do what we have been called to do. And it will ultimately bring you glory and honor because you are worthy of it all. Speak to our hearts. May the words of my mouth be your words alone. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen. So to put things into perspective from a biblical standard to help recalibrate us as a church to get back on track, there are three things, three truths from God's word that we all need to see today. And the first thing is this, is that the church belongs to God. The church belongs to God. Look at verses 5 through 9. Paul writes, he asks first, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And I think that last verse says it all, verse 9. When we put into perspective who we are and what the church is, verse 9 tells us exactly what that is. We are God's fellow workers, we are God's field, and we are God's building. We need to first remember today that the church is not ours. This is not our church. I know when we say, whose church is that? Well, that's my church, right? Madden Baptist Church is my church. That's my home church. But in the grand scheme of it, as believers, we need to understand that this is not our church. It does not matter uh, whose, whose names were on the original members list, whether that was your relative or not. It doesn't matter how long you have been a member here, whether you've been the longest or the shortest. It doesn't matter if you give the most money or the least amount of money. It doesn't matter whose name is on the sign out front, the church church does not belong to us. The church belongs to God. And as such, we are to carry out the will of God. The church at Corinth, we have seen already how the church at Corinth has had to struggle with these, these different factions, these different cliques. I prefer this speaker. I prefer Apollos. I prefer Paul. I prefer Peter. And they're having these, these conversations and it's causing division within the church. And so Paul flat out asked the question in verse 5. Look at what he asks. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Again, this is coming off what he just said in the previous pa paragraph that we read last week. But he asked this question, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? And Paul flat out says it in verse 5. Servants. Servants. Whom, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. 
These two men, along with Peter, who was, again, mentioned previously, are all servants of God assigned to these particular people to preach the gospel, to preach the message of the cross. And through this assignment, through their obedience, the people in Corinth believed. They believed in the message of the cross because of these men and their obedience to the gospel. And while they are doing the work assigned to them by God, it is God who makes the fruit grow. It is God who saves. It is God who produces the fruit. Look at verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Look at what he says next in verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. This church belongs to God, and it is God who grows the church. It is God who does the work in the church. It is God who saves us all and will continue to save until the day that Jesus returns. And listen, uh, what Paul is saying here, he says, these workers, me and Apollos, look, we're nothing. We're, we're, we're not anything. And that's not to belittle them. That's not to belittle Paul or Apollos or Peter. And that's not to belittle us today as believers. But it's to put in perspective who's really running the show. Who's really running and who is really the one in charge. Who is the one that brings success to the church. Success does not come for a church because we have a great worship team. Now I'll put our choir up against any other church in the world, but it's not because we have a great choir. It's certainly not because of your speaker, your pastor, right? And it's not for the, the greatest of speakers and the greatest of pastors. That's not what brings success. Not a great children's or youth programs or a great Bible school or going on a lot of mission trips. It is God who gives success to the church. It is God who gives the growth, because he is the one the church belongs to. Now understand, when we talk about the standard of success, what makes a church successful is not about numbers. It's not about tallying up percentage growth and all these different things and salvation numbers. And those things are, you know, they're, they're important because we want to see those numbers grow because we want more people to come to Christ. But that's not what determines success. Success is determined in obedience. Are you obedient to the one who the church belongs to? Are we obedient as Madden Baptist Church to the will of God? Because we can do all of these things. We can have all these great programs and we can do all these great things, sing great songs, preach great sermons. But is it successful if no one is obedient to God? Are we more about promoting ourselves and our agenda? Or are we about doing things that make us feel better? Or are we about bringing glory to God who the church belongs to? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves today. Yes, there is, a, there is a reward for your efforts. Paul talks about it. Yes, there's a reward for those who labor. But the only reason you labor is for the reward or the only reason you labor is to avoid hell altogether? 
then we miss the point. We believe in God. We belong to God. We belong to God who is our creator and our heavenly father. And we do not do this for ourselves. We do this for the glory of God. And that is first and foremost. The church belongs to God. Secondly, the church builds on the foundation of Jesus. The church builds on the foundation of Jesus. Go to verse 10 with me. Verse 10 through 14, Paul writes, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, or hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Now understand, there is only one foundation on which we build this church. And it is on Jesus Christ. The church is built on the foundation that Jesus already built. Look at verse 11 with me again. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul said, I laid a foundation, but it was not my foundation. I did not create the foundation. I did not mix up the foundation to be laid. He says, it's already been laid. It's already been laid. Because Jesus Christ is the one who lays the foundation. And this foundation was laid when Jesus was willing to come to this earth. And the life that Jesus lived becomes the gospel by which the foundation is made. Jesus was born in the most humble of manners. And he lived a life that you and I could not live. He lived a sinless life because we as human beings live a sinful life. Because we live a sinful life, because we are all sinners, you, I, all of us, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Jesus Christ was willing to put on the flesh of man, and he was willing to live a sinless life, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and I. And through that sacrifice, Jesus Christ died for your sin and my sin, because the wages of sin is death sin is the reason why we know one day as long as jesus continues to wait we're going to pass but praise god for the believer death is only certain for the physical body but the soul will be given a new life because of jesus christ and the foundation that he laid and so if you're a believer in here today, you've been given a new life, but also with that new life comes a responsibility to take that foundation, that gospel, and to build upon it. How do we build upon it? Jesus taught, taught us three things. In Mark 16, he said to proclaim the gospel. In Matthew 28, he said, go make disciples of all nations. And in Acts chapter 1, he said, be God's witnesses. The foundation is built on the gospel through which God saves mankind. And those who are saved then build on the foundation of what the gospel has done. And we must be mindful 
of how we are building upon it. We must be mindful as a church of how we build on this foundation that has already been laid. Again, look at verse 12 and 13. He says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test that sort of work each one has done. The question for us as a church, we have to ask ourselves, what uh, building material are we using to build on the foundation that Jesus has already laid for us? What are we using to build up the church for the glory of God. And again, this goes back to the idea of gimmicks and antics and things that people will use to draw people in. For example, there are churches that will use scare tactics to emotionally manipulate people into making decisions. And and I'm not saying we shouldn't be fearful of hell because hell is not a place anybody wants to be. It's a place of eternal torment and pain and suffering and eternal death. It's not something people are ready to go to if they're honest with themselves. But we shouldn't draw people in with emotional manipulation and pushing people to be so fearful that the only reason they ever accept salvation is because they just don't want to go there. They just don't want to go there. The problem is People that go through this, do they really come to salvation because the gospel is real to them? Or is it because they just don't want that? Understand, the foundation is set. The gospel is set. And the gospel is set for us to build a solid house on it. We are not here To do everything else. The gospel is not something that should be an emotional manipulation. It's not something that should be used as a scare tactic to to just force people to not want to do the worst. We should be changed by the gospel. The gospel should change us. And we build upon it so that it would change more people. But in order to do that, we've got to use the proper tools and we've got to use the proper material and we've got to use the proper measurements. And the problem is that many churches are using improper material to build on a proper foundation. And you know as good as I that if you use improper material to build a house, the foundation can be solid. But I'm telling you now, if it is improper, that house will not stand. It will crumble. The foundation will still be there, but the building will fall. You don't just throw random things up and expect to have a house. What kind of material are we using? Again, are we using material that promotes us or does it promote the gospel? Are we we striving to point people to Jesus or to point them to Madden Baptist Church? That's two different things. We're not here to promote Madden Baptist Church. We're here to promote Jesus Christ and the gospel and let the gospel through the Holy Spirit infiltrate every single person in contact. The church is built on the solid rock, the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ, and we must do everything for His glory. 
and point everyone, young, old, saved, lost, rich, poor, you name it, back to Jesus to make much of him. But with that, the last point, the church bears responsibility. The church bears a responsibility, and the result of that will be accountability. Look at verse 15 through 17. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, you and you are that temple. Again, we've been called to task. We have been given a command by God to go make disciples, to proclaim the gospel, to be God's witness. That is clear in the text. And if we do not follow God's will, if we do not follow the commands of Jesus, it is clear in Scripture today that there will be accountability. All that we do as Madden Baptist Church will be put to the test. And the things that are built on the foundation of Jesus will have to go through a a metaphorical fire, if you will. And the things that stand, it will be blessed. But the things that burn will suffer loss. And while the loss hurts and that burn hurts, it's not ideal, but it too serves a purpose. Again, go back to verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. This accountability is there to put us back in the right perspective. Accountability is what gets us on the right path, but the problem is not many of us, if any of us, even want accountability. We don't like accountability. I mean, how many of us that have a job where your boss, like you've got to go in every now and then and have like a job review, a job critique, and your boss has to critique your work. None of us like to go in there and our boss tell us how many things we're doing wrong. Makes us feel terrible. But it is necessary to be held accountable. Why? Because it helps us to improve. Now the question for us is, how will we respond to that accountability? Will we strive to do better? Will we strive to make much of Jesus? Or will we continue to do the things God has already burned down before? Yes, we are God's temple. We are God's temple individually and we are God's temple corporately. The Holy Spirit lives with inside every believer and we come together as a church and the Holy Spirit is among us even now in this moment. And what happens when the church continues down their own path, when that church uh, continues to be destroyed by their pride and their arrogance and their self-promotion, guess what? God's going to hold those churches accountable. And as we said last week, those churches that choose their own path, that choose to do their own thing, God will remove the lampstand. He will remove that beacon of light, that beacon of hope that He's given to all churches. And they'll soon find themselves without a light, which leads to their demise. When God removes the lampstand, churches get desperate. Or, they accept defeat and watch themselves slowly die a painful death. And sadly, some churches, even in our own county, have experienced it, and others will as well. But church, I still believe that we can be a light in this community. I still believe that we can build on the foundation of Jesus 
with the right equipment. But in order to do that, you need to hear me closely. We have got to get back into perspective. We have to get back to what it is that we need to be doing. We have to get back to, to understanding that we belong to God. We're building on the foundation of the gospel. And we need to be responsible enough to do what we've been called to do. And the question now is for all of us is that are we willing to do so? Are we willing to do these things? Are we willing to get back into perspective in order to do what God has called us to do ever since 1922? Some of you have been here a long time. You've seen what this church is capable of. You've seen bright moments in this church. Yes, you've seen dark moments as well. But at the end of the day, you've seen what God can do through a church that's obedient. And the question is, do we want to be that kind of church that is obedient to God and His will for our lives? And I don't mean, listen clear, I don't mean... Just be more consistent in attendance. That's not what I'm asking for. What I mean is, are you willing to live a life that God has called you to live inside and outside the church? Are you willing to be obedient to God when others won't? Are you willing to put in the effort it takes to go and do what God has called you to do? Are you willing to get outside of your comfort zone in order to serve? And are you willing to make much of Jesus no matter the cost? And I'm not talking about money. If we are to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to be willing to walk and follow in the steps of Jesus just as the apostles did. So what are you willing to do today? Maybe you're in here today and you say, well, pastor, I want to be obedient, but first, I've got to be saved. Because the first step to obedience is salvation. And so maybe today you've heard the gospel message, you heard about what Jesus did for you, and you realize that you've never truly submitted to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, and so maybe today you realize... I am a sinner, and I need salvation in order to be obedient to God. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward in a moment. I'll be right here. I would love to talk to you about it. Maybe you're in here and you are a believer. You believe in God. You follow God, but you're barely doing the bare minimum. I, I show up to church on Sunday morning, and that's it. You're barely doing the bare minimum as a believer. You come just enough to make sure the preacher doesn't call you on Monday asking where you were. You, you come just enough to make yourself feel better or to get your spouse off your back or your parents off your back. But you're doing the bare minimum. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and make a commitment to the Lord. Renew your commitment to the Lord today. God, I haven't served you faithfully. God, I recognize I've been doing very little for the church, for your kingdom. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and confess sin today. Maybe the thing that's holding you back from being fully obedient to God is because you're still holding on to a sin that's full of comfort. Maybe you just need to come and repent today. Maybe you're in here and you say, I recognize, Pastor, that I'm supposed to be a leader of this church. And I want to come to this altar and pray that God would give us a vision of the future. 
Maybe that's you today. You feel led to do that as well. Look, this altar is a place to come before the Lord. You can bow or you can stand if you can't bow. But you can come to the Lord and seek vision. You can seek comfort because all of us need prayer. Maybe you're in a time where you just need prayer. You're going through a difficult season right now. Maybe you've had some hard things this week. Maybe you just need to come to the Lord and just ask for comfort. If that's you, come up here. Find comfort. This is a place of vision, a place of comfort, but it's also a place to confess to the Lord. You don't have to confess to me, but confess to the Lord and make a commitment to Him today. The question for us all is, are we willing? We know what we need to do. A lot of us have grown up in church our entire lives. But are we willing to do what it takes to build on the foundation that Jesus has already laid for us? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for the foundation that has been built on Jesus. God, we thank you for uh, allowing us as a church to be planted here. God, you planted this church over 100 years ago now, God, and you have done uh, great things in this church, God. It has seen its ups and downs, and God, it's seen everything in between, and I just thank you that you have sustained us to this point, but God, there's still, there's still work to be done. And I pray that we can be the light in this community that you've called us to be, but God, in order to do that, we have to take responsibility. We've got to own up to our, our, our sin our shortcomings, our lack of commitment. And so I pray, God, today that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. Where are we falling short, God? Is it a sin in our lives that we can't let go? Is it just a lack of effort, God? Is it, is it not willing to count the cost? God, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not made the full commitment to salvation, God, they know they need to be saved but have yet to make the commitment. I pray today would be that day of salvation, that they would see the work of your Son in their lives and they would submit to your authority. God, help us to respond. Help us to seek wisdom and a vision of the future. Help us to see what we need to do in order to do what's right. God, we thank you for bringing us here now. Speak to us now. May we give you all the glory through it. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.